0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Photography Down the Line. I'm Ben Harmon, the director of Stills, a centre for photography and registered charity based in the heart of Edinburgh. To find out more about us and how to get involved and support our work, please visit stills.org. For this 50th episode of the podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking to Marilena Vlachopoulou Marilena is based in Glasgow and is best known for her pictures of music and gigs in Glasgow, the UK and abroad, which she posts on Instagram at darkroom.memoir. We spoke about her passion for analogue photography, her path into photography, and why and how she makes the work she makes. Thanks for listening. Hello, am I speaking to Marilena Vlakopoulou?
1: Hi Ben, yes, it's me. How are you?
0: Good, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, I'd like to ask, where are you and what might I be interrupting with this call?
1: I'm in Glasgow in the south side and you're not interrupting anything as it's my (laughs) day off from my day job. I work at Gulabi, Glasgow's independent film lab. And I'm just taking uh, some time off, just chilling out today, had some uh, festivals on the last few weeks so today is a good day to sit back and talk to you
0: brilliant you seem so busy with photographing music in particular and portraits how, how do you juggle that with gulabi is a lot of your photography work in evenings and weekends
1: yes i, I was gonna make a joke as in uh, i don't jang- juggle it <laughs> just trying to be on top of it sometimes it can be overwhelming But I think I chose this. So, you know, the passion for and the drive for wanting to do it all is what drives me to keep going. And thankfully, in my case, I think I'm quite lucky that my day job is something that complements my uh, freelance work, since both is uh, on analog. It's a good balance with four shifts at the lab and the rest of the time to use. To do what I want, but yes, it could still be quite full on.
0: Now I want to ask you about your work, and I, and I want to come back to this interest or passion, if you like, for analog photography. But perhaps we should say a little bit about gulabi for for people that don't know what what that is. Could you could you really explain what gulabi is and does?
1: Yes, it's lab that develops can's photographic film. It came on a great time uh, when I was looking for a place to develop uh, my work as I started to get more into music photography. After trying out a few, I'm not going to name names, uh, but a few chain labs, they would still not deliver a result which was up to standard with what I was envisioning. I eventually found Gulabi and it was like... It felt like a breath of fresh air. I was a customer for a year or so, and then lockdown happened. Eventually, uh, I moved to the south side from the city center, and I was low-key hoping to get a job there. I was also joking that... Uh... <laughs> when I say joking, I mean half-joking when you you know want to manifest something to happen. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so these two things that I wanted to manifest when I moved to the south side of Glasgow did happen. One of them was to qualify for Simon Murphy's Govan Hill Project, who's been on your podcast as well oh, and yeah. is my former lecturer at college, which we could touch on later on, Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, so that was one. And I managed that after chasing him down the street while holding a, a pack of toilet rolls and begging him to take my portrait. It worked. And then um, the other one was to hopefully get a job at Gulabi And uh, that's been me working there for the past two years.
0: Amazing. And it's so good to have that lab and people that are enthusiastic and have a lot of energy to, to put into analog photography. It's accessible and, um, you know, the prices are reasonable too, because of course, it's hard. It's hard to oh, find yeah. places to develop film now and expensive when you can find places.
1: Yeah, and I've, I've never, not because I work there. As I said, I started there as a customer, mm. but it, it blows me away how, because, you know, even if I travel to back home in Athens or if I'm in London or something, I'm sometimes on the lookout for labs in case I'm too patient to wait to develop something that I've shot because sometimes I'll travel for a gig or something. Uh, so lately, I've decided that I'm just gonna wait until I come back to base and develop it because it's just sadly, it's just hard to find the perfect lab. It's kind of crazy to me that a lot of businesses operate still with a USB stick or a CD mm. in this day and age. But also, yeah, the prices—it's amazing the service that is being offered for such budget-friendly pl- prices.
0: Well, that's brilliant that we have given Gulabi a good plug, and hopefully, oh we-
1: yes,
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll create some extra customers now. But I wanted to ask, was it we did you grow up in Athens, and and was it around that time when you were, you know, in your teens or something that you you first started using photography?
1: Yes, but it was um, this kind of unsubconscious thing where yeah. when you are hanging out with your pals and you go out, you always document each other even if it's on nowadays on on your phone so i would always have a little compact digital camera the ones that i don't know are like 5 megapixels or something yeah but yeah because i was part of like the you know subcultures and all of that growing up there was always people dressed in an interesting way it was nice to you know have some memories from that time a lot of my friends would be in uh, bands closer to rock, metal genres, they would, you know, be on rehearsal or doing a, playing a show and I would take photos, but without realizing my photography dream at the time. So it took a few years until I eventually reached to that point. Essentially, when I finished school, I, I wanted to apply for photography courses, but it wasn't really encouraged by my family because of the obvious reason of you're not going to make any money (laughs) in photography. I could understand, you know, my parents' perspective, because everyone wants their child to have a secure future. So at the time, I did some studies on tourism and travel agencies, and eventually I ended up in Scotland. I'm not sure if I should get into it a lot, but uh, (laughs) I was just applying for jobs in the UK, and I ended up in North Berwick, actually. Yeah, so I was just doing this, you know, hotel work and they would offer you a place to stay in a staff accommodation. Eventually, after a couple of years of doing that, by that point I had moved to Aviemore. Okay.
0: (laughs) I didn't realise you'd moved around quite so much in Scotland.
1: Yeah, but it's so long ago. It's 10 years ago now because it was 2012 that I moved. I was 22 straight from Athens to Aviemore.
0: Wow. Wow. (laughs) I think so, it's funny. With your interests, you must have heard or experienced, visited Glasgow and thought this is where I want to be, did that?
1: This is my place, yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I would um, come here for like shows or something for like a weekend and I realized it's my favorite place in Glasgow. So eventually I was like, "Okay, maybe it's time uh, to apply for a photography course now. I'm not sure what the current situation is post-Brexit, but at the time, you could still study for free if mm. you're from the EU. I gave that a shot. I went to Glasgow Kelvin College, and as I previously mentioned, Simon was one of my lecturers. Was that and, was that
0: an HND course?
1: Yeah, but I did start from the NQ, which is the you know, yeah. one more year before you go into the HND and that was actually my favourite year because it was all darkroom based and we were taught by Christine Stevenson. Both her and Simon and all my other lecturers were so inspiring and obviously, yeah. you know, it helped a lot to find find my feet.
0: Just to ask you about that course a little bit more. It seems unusual and in a really good way that they, they put so much attention on learning the craft, if you like, in the darkroom. Is that when you've discovered and used the darkroom or...? had you been print making your own prints before then
1: no i hadn't been in a darkroom before i always had a, a special love for film i was born in the 90s 1990 and that's what my parents would have on holiday mm. point and shoots uh, that obviously i accidentally or purposely who knows uh, as a you know in the child's mind i opened the back of the camera a lot and the images goes <laughs> ruined. anyway lesson learned <laughs> but yeah, I would always like love, you know, taking little Polaroids on my trips. Mm. So on the interview day for the course, I showed them Polaroids for my travels. There was always like an underlying interest. And then to go actually and have a proper go in yeah. developing my own film and printing in the dark room. It was amazing. It was the best year. I think if you're just learning photography, it's a great tool to start like that to be darkroom trained, learn of those skills like that. All the disciplines, you can then apply them to digital and so on and so forth. For me, it was the best way to learn, for sure. Film makes you more selective as well. You don't get snap happy. You have to like carefully think through every shot. That was a great discipline for me.
0: Did you almost turn your back on digital photography at that time or... Does, it, does digital still have a place for you? Is it still quite useful? It's not always possible to take 35 mil equipment around with you. There's a sort of economy there. You know, using digital can be a bit easier. How do you use digital if you do?
1: Yeah, so um, back to the course, the next two years were mostly digital based with the old darkroom class, which mm. I wasn't my favorite particularly, but it's something that you also have to learn. I rarely use it these days. I don't know. I don't find the same joy or excitement behind it as with film. I would love to be better at it too. I think I'm not really good at it. Obviously, it does have the convenience of how instant it is. You can just mm-hmm. look at your image straight away. And a lot of people find terrifying that I don't know what I'm getting with final look every time
0: but do you enjoy that the not knowing how things are going to turn out is yeah, it yeah for
1: sure i am um, but to you know juggle that i would often i would often take some safety shots and then right. take more experimental ones not to say that it'll it'll sometimes not be as you'd expect and it can also be disappointing when you get back your photos and you think you did an amazing job but yeah back to the digital i'm not going to lie i i wish i, w- I was good at it There's a lot of post-production involved to make the image look good. I don't know. I tried with Photoshop in the college course as well. I just can't picture myself Mm -hmm. being the person who spends time on the desk to work on an image for Mm -hmm. however long. But it would definitely save me a lot of cash. (laughs) I feel like I could have got way more jobs, especially in the music Mm -hmm. industry, where it's such a fast-paced environment with the concerts and stuff. They often need the photos yesterday.
0: Have you seen that changing at all? Because it seems to me that there's sort of a burgeoning interest in analog again. And I wonder if sure, yeah. sort of commissioning the work, at, at getting on board and realizing that this is slightly different than an in- instant picture, albeit with a bit of post-production. Do you see any change in attitude?
1: Yeah, I can see it a little bit, but it's a sort of a case by case thing. Most people just want the photos ready as soon as possible.
0: Having said that, I suppose we we hear free digital photographers working in the darkroom for media deadlines and newspapers that kind of thing. You you know you often hear stories of them making the work and then being in the darkroom all night to meet the 8am deadline or whatever it is. So I'm I'm perhaps wrong in that the the sort of attitude needs to change by the people commissioning the work, but.
1: Yeah, there's definitely, you know, some the old festival or some artists who are so invested in analog that they would rather wait for a good thing, you know, a special thing mm. to be ready. Like they they can be patient like that. Or if you're working closely with a band and you're maybe you're on tour and you're doing a photo die of them and maybe they don't have a heavy social media presence. They like to be a bit more, you know, selective, let's say, or more conservative with their posts. Maybe that's the right word. So, yeah, you know, because some artists, they like to post a post every day after they had the show to be like, thank you, everyone, for coming and here some photos. There's also exceptions, like someone, you know, might want you to come and take a photo, diary photos, and then they might decide to make that into a little tour zine or something. But mm-hmm. this is not something that happens every day, of course.
0: Do you use work to... Process your pictures, or do you have a dark room at home? Anything like that?
1: I don't print yet. I would okay. love to, though. Yeah, I process and scan my work in my work, which okay. is something yeah. that I feel very lucky to have the chance to do so. Over lockdown, I did that a lot. Develop black and white film, which is the easiest out of the two, of course. Uh, not so temperature, or, you know, crucial. Then I would scan them on my flatbed scanner, which takes eons mm. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, so that has saved me a lot of time. That's my kind of method.
0: For people that might hear this that haven't seen your pictures and don't know your work, I wonder if you could talk about what, what you do, really. <laughs> <laughs> where, 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 your, where your interests lie. And I mean, you know, I don't expect you to give away any, any, any sort of secrets, but can you talk about the, the work you make, the work you most like to make and who... Who the people are that are asking you for the pictures, who who are you working for?
1: My main client is myself because I, I just do it for the love of it. You know, it's not mm. always that there's a brief or something. But when that happens, that's also good because it can be a challenging industry indeed to find work in. So my work involves a lot of music photography, not necessarily just musicians, it could also be other artists. Often I might get commissioned to do an artist's portrait, whether that's for maybe a, a book. I did, for example, last year for to two very different things. One for a poet and another one for a midwife. It could be very varied. I love taking live photos. I love taking portraits as well. But yeah, when it comes to mostly the live stuff, I love doing double exposures just to make things a little bit more interesting and yeah. I just love this kind of dreamy effect they have the way I do that is not on post-production because as we said no talent in the photoshop here yeah. with this one I'll usually overlay them as I go shoot them over on top of another mm-hmm. which can be you know but to what we're saying quite terrifying to not know how it'll turn out.
0: memoir on Instagram is where people will find your your work, right? Is that the best place to send people?
1: Yes, that's the one.
0: And what's always struck me when looking at your work is that, you know, music photography, there's so much out there, it must be so hard for a photographer to stand out from the crowd. But I feel like that's exactly what you, you do. You have I can spot one of your pictures amongst others, even if it's from the same gig or something. And I think that double exposure, that atmospheric sort of impression you make of the experience you're having is something quite unique about what you do. I mean, it's risky enough working with film and not knowing how things are going to come out, but to add in the double exposure element as well is um, very brave. You've obviously... You've got the hang of it. <laughs> That's for sure.
1: Thank you. I think, yeah, practice makes best, of course. You know, the ones that you don't see is usually bloopers. So it might be that <laughs> uh, someone's ear is uh, overlapping someone's eyeball. Yeah. There's a lot of silliness involved, too, but uh, you just try to, you know, pre envision your frame and hope for the best. It's not like, you know, I'm reinventing the wheel here. Like there's so many other people who do that same thing. So it's nice to, you know, be inspired and you know, see things that you like from other photographers too and make it your own, I think. Um, I don't know. I took it as a nostalgia thing in a way at first, like without making it sound like with a negative connotation to it. But uh, going to shows was something that was like something I would so look forward to. It would be like a big, you know, if the lead up to it would be like a big event, like the countdown to see my favorite artist. I think for me, it makes sense that I ended up doing... Exactly that, documenting the concerts. And because it excites me so much, it kind of translates to my images as well. I'd like to hope so, at least.
0: I'm really curious about the way you capture the musicians and so on that you're photographing. I think what people don't see is the situation you're in. You're obviously presumably in a crowd, in a moving, loud environment. And then you have this lighting to deal with uh the stage lighting which must presumably be changing a lot you've got uh-huh. a 35 mm camera you're trying to get a double exposure as well it it seems like an awful lot of things to have to
1: <laughs> yeah
0: take it you how how do you how do you deal with the lighting it seems like you you really managed to kind of work with the stage lighting is that really challenging
1: yeah it depends on the gig as well like it depends on the genre as well i think for example if it's more of a pop gig Mm -hmm. It's usually quite well lit, quite bright, but then closer to the music that I listen to, which is moodier and darker, that will also be reflected with the light. There can be a lot of backlit situations involved where, you know, people are just lit like um, silhouettes only. And it can be very frustrating sometimes, but I just try to, you should see the size of my right gun, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> it's, yeah, it's become quite muscly by now. Even when I have the you know super long lens,
0: yeah, this
1: this stuff is heavy. But um, in my mind, I'm there to do a job. So even if it means that I'll try to catch a bit of light on the side of someone's face at mm-hmm. some point in the gig, even if it means that I won't put my camera down for the whole show. If you know some shows allow that, but some other bigger shows are more strict. You just have a chance to shoot the first three, and that's it. I think I'll keep going with it until I know that I've got some good shots. Just be very persistent with it.
0: Are you usually, you know, very close to the band or does it does it vary quite a lot? I mean, if you're photographing like The Cure as opposed to someone in a small pub sized venue, does it depend on that?
1: In most cases, you're allowed to shoot the first three songs from the photo pit, which is where you are, you know, the closest to the band. So, yeah, with The Cure, it was actually the first two because they had longer songs, but you still get the same amount of time as with, you know, three average
0: uh, length songs. At smaller gigs, are you more kind of, you're kind of left to your own devices more?
1: Yeah, you have more free reign, I think. And I love having the chance to shoot past the first three because, you know, you have the chance to document more or capture more Lighting changes as well. Film doesn't see the way the human eye sees. It's not as bright. But the good thing with those double exposures is obviously, you know, the more you expose the same frame to the more light you get. So I just try to, you know, bring the, make the, even the darkest lighting situation to kind of bring it to my advantage. But yeah, it's not all been, you know, full of like, you know, rainbows and sunshines. There's been times that I might get knocked back from some artist management that might not be used to that aesthetic and they might find the photos too dark and uh, blurry so you know it's not like we can be everyone's cup of tea and that's fine we just you just have to remember that
0: yeah it's their fault they don't get it
1: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah for sure back to what you're saying you know i often will put myself in situations where it's like so crowded and i don't know if it shows from my images but i'll put myself in situations where i'm like like a sardine in the crowd or trying to get an angle from the crowd and like be cheeky because you know know, sometimes the security doesn't allow that when i have something in my mind usually i like to achieve it
0: Uh, i often look at your pictures and i do think you know the only way marilyn has managed to take that picture is by being right in the thick of it and there must be so much going on there sweat heat sound physical weight of the camera but i love the, the the way you use double exposure also it helps to convey movement and just sort of remind you that you're photographing something that is in motion constantly you know it's not like you're trying to achieve something technically perfect to capture a a split second in a gig environment, but you're just you're going with it and cra- capturing the the experience that you're having.
1: It's definitely more challenges than
0: yeah. If I would
1: just just make it easy for myself and shoot digital, for example, and you know, by the time I focused on one scene on my manual camera, camera, the moment has passed. So I have to be really like you know, on it all the time. <laughs>
0: And of course, these aren't, you know, the kind of musicians typically that you're, that you're photographing. These aren't like um, folk musicians sitting down playing quiet music. Well, the other
1: day I did shoot oh, right. <laughs> okay.
0: okay.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that I get what you're saying. Yeah, there's usually a lot of movement involved for sure. But that's what appeals to me as well. Like, you know, it's so dynamic and there's so many things going on, so much action. And I just love seeing the crowd go crazy too. It's it's so cool mm. to get shots of mm. everyone going there enjoying themselves.
0: I'm wondering about your relationship with, with the bands. You've mentioned management there. I mean, yeah, another factor and security, of course, and all these things you're dealing with when you're uh, making pictures. But a lot of the time, do you also know that they're like bands you you know and love or they're that friends, they're people you know?
1: Yeah, so it definitely varies. Uh, last year alone, I shot around 100 gigs. So oh. you can imagine <laughs> a lot of these people I've never, you know, met uh-huh. outside the gigs. But a lot of them are also people who are in uh, the Glasgow music scene that now it's been around four years that we've been working together. It's, you know, quite cool to like grow up alongside them. Because we're we're both doing creative things. A lot of them are younger bands as well. So it's just so sweet and inspiring and wholesome to see us both progress in our own way in Mm. uh, the thing we do. It's nice to find, you know, all of these people to work with and uh, start my photographic journey with. Uh, I graduated in 2018. The next year I discovered uh, a couple of bands who are based here, like The Ninth Wave, Wall Disco, Lucia and the Best Boys. So I started taking photos of their shows. But I wasn't friends with any of them. I, I met them through their shows. It's really sweet that, you know, even to this day, you know, they might play a festival or they might be like Wall Disco we were doing last summer. They were supporting uh, Primal Scream at their homecoming show at Queen's Park Recreational mm. Ground. Yeah, not to sound soppy again, but it, it's just a beautiful thing, you know, when they have a chance like that to support someone who's so significant to mm. them and to the place that we live and me to be there to document that. Yeah, along the way, you eventually <sighs> meet more bands who are not like uh, necessarily based in Scotland. Uh, so it's, you know, a massive compliment to me when yeah. it's someone whose work I love and how they look, how they sound, for them to say that, hey, you've taken the best uh, life photos of us
0: and and social media must play quite an important role in that is that the place you use for distribution and sharing you c- it's a way of connecting to bands you might not have met and getting them yeah for them. sure yeah that's
1: one good thing social media does
0: yeah one <laughs> yeah
1: no it's a great tool with that because you can connect with people who don't live in you know your local area another great way is going to festivals as well like uh, two weeks ago i was working in this festival called Roadburn in Tilburg in the Netherlands. I don't know if I have the words to describe it, but it's like this sacred thing that a lot of people, it's like there's a sense of pilgrimage today, so they'll travel from all over the world to go and see it. It champions uh, heaviness. So the theme past years has been redefining heaviness. So you'll have bands like from the sludge, doom metal to... I don't know, people like Boy Harsher and Catherine Joseph, who okay. is uh, from yeah. here, you yeah. might have heard of her, who cool. is more kind of folky, let's say. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's some sort of heaviness to her music, too. Yeah. So even there, it's like the um, creme de la creme of the underground scene. Since we were covering it with a friend of mine for this magazine, we got the chance to interview a lot of bands. And so he would ask them uh, questions um regarding the theme of the festival and i would take their polaroid it just felt like you know real and proper because often i'll organize all the things myself and ask get in touch with bands and ask them to do their portrait but to have the magazine as well just made it feel more like a proper deal yeah. and i met so many different people yeah just a great way to connect yeah uh, i don't want to say the word networking because mm-hmm. it's kind of i don't know cringes me out a little bit but yeah. at the end of the day it's a little bit like that too
0: I was just going to ask about Polaroid. Is that a preferred choice for something like portraits?
1: Yeah, it'll either be that or you could say it's medium format film too, right?
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see See what you mean.
1: Yeah. So I think I'll avoid shooting on 35 for the portraits, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'll usually go for my, yeah, just like a couple of twin reflex cameras, Waist level, you find their ones. So mm-hmm. I have a couple of them. It's quite cool to break the ice, too, with them, because you know, with Polaroid, too, because you know, people will be like, Whoa, that's such a yeah. cool camera, especially yeah. you know, those old ones, because they might be back from the 60s or so. I, I just prefer the process behind more the approach, but yeah, the Polaroid, the beauty of it is just it's so instant, you see it right after, and it's something physical, something to touch, something tang- tangible. I always liked shooting on Polaroids, but I also discovered you can do double exposures there too now with the more modern cameras, which is perfect for me. And it just happened that since I spent so much on uh, buying the Polaroid film all of these <laughs> years, <laughs> uh, so yeah, eventually I got noticed by Polaroid, which has been amazing. I think it's one that sort of organizations, companies, once they notice you, they really champion you. They've been really accommodating with me they provided all the film for roadburn festival uh, um, for me yes. to shoot they've been giving me a new film to try out it all started because they had the bowie edition film yeah so I shot that in the solar festival in fact when i was on my way back from tilburg their office is actually in amsterdam so oh. they told me next time you're here come by the office and we'll give you a tour mm-hmm. so you know it just becomes like this whole very like sentimental thing once again. But you know, I've been doing photos like that since I was young, and <laughs> it's, it's really sweet to be recognized. So they asked me to do a little uh, video interview. I just couldn't stop smiling. But
0: <laughs> it, it's not out yet. Is it coming out shortly?
1: Uh, in a few weeks, just need to finalize a few things. I'm not like doing something innovative here, but it's nice to be recognized in this on a sort of fields.
0: Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask is how you make the choice between black and white or colour. Is it normally a kind of practical decision, whether you're going to take a black and white film or shoot in colour, or do you do, do you do both sometimes?
1: Yes, sometimes I do both. If it's one of my favourite bands, I will try to do both. Mm. And, you know, if I can be allowed to shoot the whole show, I'd like to have the option of having both looks. Well, usually it could be <laughs> this way I make a joke about the cost, uh, the different cost between the two, obviously black and white, cause it's cheaper. But yeah, <laughs> yeah colors look crazy now, it's like 20 pounds yeah. a roll. It's, it should be illegal, but um, <laughs> I think it depends on the urgency of it. If, it's, if it. if I know it's job for a commission or something, I will usually go color because I can have it ready the next day. But with mm-hmm. black and white, because it's more of a manual developing process, I'm not always sure how long they'll be. I love both, maybe black and white even more, but it might be sometimes that I've packed it all of black and white and then the, co- the lighting colors are amazing and I'm just regretting it. <laughs> I think black and white can give me more of a window to push the film to whatever speed I want. Mm. whereas with color in my work at least we can only push it by one stop but then you know even if you could push it more it just becomes too grainy with coloring it looks weird compared to black and white i think delta 3200 L Ilford is my go-to for sure yeah. so yeah it'll make the even the darkest gigs a little bit more presentable and it's very very useful
0: now i've taken up a lot of your time already but i wanted to ask a couple of things actually firstly i'm interested are there any Photographers, maybe music photographers in particular, or other sort of cultural reference points that you return to that that really kind of in, inspire you and have, have maybe sort of informed your practice a little bit.
1: Yeah, so um, I spend a lot of time—I still do—watching uh, music videos. So that's always been a bit of an inspiration for me. More specifically, other photographers that I admire are Punegana with someone based in America and she documents let's say I, I want to see all of the bands I don't know if that would be an exaggeration because I don't <laughs> I don't think it is because she really does and she always manages to capture that raw sense of back that to that dynamic thing we we're talking about earlier the action all, all of that
0: yeah. she's so
1: good at doing that documenting people looking happy and I love how she makes her photos look I'm so bad with photoshop terms but Color casting, maybe. But I think, you know, people like that, they've been doing it since they were teenagers properly. Sometimes that's where I'm like, ooh, that's where the what if comes. But then there's nothing I can do about it. I think it makes sense for them to be where they are today because, again, of all the hours they put in before. So this is really inspiring to see, you know, people like that being, you know, in all the magazines, all the festivals. Mm -hmm. It's something to strive to. Another one would be Jordan Hemingway, who does more studio based stuff. His photos, same as Ferman Ahmed's amazing talent from Glasgow. They just make their sets so perfect and dreamy and ethereal. It's just so, you can tell it's so well thought out. There's so many other ones, but I feel like I've already blabbered on so much i've also taken up a lot of your time <laughs> oh, yeah
0: no no it's great i'm really really pleased it's brilliant to hear hear about your your work what future plans do you have what have you got coming up
1: this week i have a couple of gigs but on wednesday i also have my friends theo Obliques listening party at the hunger Pine. that'll be a lovely event a lot of our friends will be doing little performances there too and djing and next week i have the band that I spoke about earlier with a corpse paint, whose name I failed to mention. So back to that, they're called Zetra. And okay. that's them playing back in Glasgow at Stereo on Wednesday the twenty-fourth. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to again. this summer, generally speaking, there's a couple of festivals coming up. I'm going to go back to Athens as well. And my favorite artist is playing there, who I had the chance to finally, you know,
0: shoot his shows. Who's that? Your your favorite artist?
1: He's from the band Him. Uh, they're no longer together. He's called Villa Vallo. After years of fandom, I finally got to experience his shows as a photographer now that he's returned as a solo musician. This has been, you know, quite a big year for me, emotionally yeah. for sure as well.
0: <laughs> you have to remain quite kind of reactive too. It sounds like every week is slightly different for you.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm nothing without my calendar. But obviously, <laughs> you know, apart from the festivals and all of that, There'll also be some holiday time in a island in Crete where I'll be doing nothing for a week and I can't wait for that too. There's other things that I'm forgetting right now. What are you doing?
0: Oh my God, someone's asked me a question. The um, <laughs> main thing at the moment is here we're planning our, our summer exhibition which will open for the festival, the Edinburgh Festival at the start right. of August which is Marketa Luskakova who's a Czech-British photographer. So you have to have to come through for that have to come through I today. will. thank you again so much for your time today really appreciate thank you
1: so it. much for having me i'm really honored
0: yeah it's been been great to speak to you
1: yeah it's been so, a pleasure
0: take care marilena bye-bye. bye-bye you've been listening to photography down the line and my conversation with marilena vlacopoulou this is the 50th episode of the podcast For more episodes, please find us at your usual podcast provider. Thanks for listening.